The Ringer's Dave Hill takes you on a journey into the underground lives and careers of six professional gamblers. This eight-part podcast is a unique look into the gambling world that you don't want to miss. Check out Gamblers on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Hey guys, welcome to The Answer, where we are missing Chris Ryan, but we're joined by Wozni Lambre. We're super excited to break down what is, what was an interesting Clippers-Mavericks matchup. What did you think? Super interesting. First of all, I just want to welcome everybody to the affirmative action version of The Answer. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> we did it. Um, no, you know Wait, what? We're taking over, by the way. Chris... <laughs> Chris isn't going to be back. Yeah, he's. He, I got him tied up in a closet somewhere. He's never coming back, guys. Sorry. Uh, shouts to CR, though. Um, man, it happens early on. Luca's making every single step back. They got Zubach guarding him on switches. He's yelling at people like, this fool can't guard me. They go up by 16 points early, just jump out on the Clippers. It's like, are we really about to do this? Are the Clippers about to lay down in the biggest game of their season? Like six minutes passed before Kawhi Leonard took his first jump shot. It was, it was looking bleak, Siri. Mm-hmm. And then Luca leaves the game and magically things start working out for the Clippers. Yeah, it was funny that every every uh Clippers run really seemed to be tied with Luca being out of the game. And then obviously he also, I don't know how hurt he is, but he had he was he had a heating pad on his left shoulder that, you know, hopefully that's okay. But that also felt like a pretty big part of of why the Clippers were be- were able to make this comeback. Which brings us to the first thing that I want to talk about. Uh we're gonna be breaking down the Clippers as of right now in the present moment, but we're also going to be taking a bit of a big picture approach. And the start of this game really struck me as having parallels uh, because it was really all about why do you keep trying Luka Doncic? 
<laughs> Why do you keep doing this? First of all, you tank to get him. And I don't understand. I don't understand why you would ever do that to Luca of all people. Like Luca who gets up for things like this. Luca who the moment you think that he is not going to be able to do the thing, he just wants to do it just to show you that he can. And then in game 3, after he just slaughtered you by the way, you're going to you're going to welcome him back. He's making a hero's return. He has not played a game, a playoff game in Dallas ever. This is after the bubble. This is after the two games they won won this year. And you are introducing him with Zubac on the switch. You're basically <laughs> asking for what that first quarter was. And all of it just doesn't make any sense to me. Because why would you ask for this? You know exactly what he's going to do to you. Then they made some adjustments. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Not the adjustments that I think they needed to make. And they came back and won this game. Waz, do you think that there's a path to the Clippers winning the series? It's it's It feels super bleak, right? You have to win four out of five games. And the bottom line is, Luka Doncic in 39 minutes, he's plus three in a game that they lost by 10. Right? <laughs> so... All that means to me is one, Carlisle is he understands like we have to bury these guys, and that means Luca's gonna play excess of 40 something minutes. Mm -hmm. That's a one. And you like fundamentally, you didn't alter his game. Like this guy came out, he put 44 on you on 28 shots. Uh, and that's while shooting seven of 13 from the free throw line, which I think is worrisome. His free throw shooting. He's got a lot of LeBron in him in that sense. Like, the free throw thing is just one of these weird things where you're draining step back threes. Like, he's 7 of 13 from three and 7 of 13 from the free throw line. That's just odd, right? So that's something you got to worry about. But I just think in the Luka minutes, they didn't prove that this is a team that they can get consistent stops against. And so to win four out of five against this team, while again... You got monster performances from Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Like, these guys played incredibly well on the offensive end. Like, Kawhi Leonard, 36 points on 13 of 17 shooting. Um, you know, Paul George, another 29 on 11 of 18 shooting. Like, these guys had solid, efficient nights. Uh, I don't think you can reasonably expect Kawhi Leonard to go 13 of 17. You know, and again, you have to win four out of five. You got your one now. But it's like, it just feels like a daunting task. I didn't see anything out of, because they don't have any good answers for Luka, right? Like, they don't have the one-on-one -on -one guy, which again, why is Kawhi not guarding this dude? I, 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 I don't understand that. Like, you won Defensive Player of the Year awards. You're known as this legendary generational wing defender. And you're not guarding this dude. I get this. I get that you dropped 30 now. And, you know, a lot of times, defensive first type of guys, when they become bucket getters, are just like, well, I get buckets now. But if you're Kawhi Leonard and you get your own trainer, you practice when you feel like it, you, hel you literally helicopter to games. You're a helicopter teammate last year. You know, you don't talk. Um, okay, you can have all of those perks, but... That comes with a certain amount of responsibility. Why is this fool not guarding Luka? Um, you know, so I, I don't think this game pretends well for the rest of the series for the Clippers. I don't think this is some tide that has shifted, right? Uh, rem you, uh, you, everybody who's listening will remember 2015 
Golden State goes down 2-1 to the Memphis Grizzlies. They put Bogut on Tony Allen, and the series was effectively over after that. This is not... I don't think that was this tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, no, I don't think the Clippers are uh, a shoe-in for making this a competitive series again. Yeah, you're right. There wasn't... Uh... There wasn't a defining moment that showed you why this game was different. Uh, but what you're talking about right now kind of gets to why I think this can be a real series. Because the Clippers mm. aren't necessarily doing all that they can do to stop Luka. They haven't even really scratched the surface of that, which is a huge problem. <laughs> I mean, Luka entered the game practicing practicing jumpers over, over Boban because he knew exactly what was coming, which should just be embarrassing <laughs> for the entire Clippers <laughs> coaching staff. Um, and then, then they make the uh, they they make the amazing adjustment of now in the, it, that he's he's done this to us three times in a row. Um, we're gonna bring. Patrick Beverly out to the nail because you know that Luca really respects Patrick Beverly, especially as a help defender. <laughs> and then they finally switch to Morris, which still isn't really an effective thing to do. Then we see some Reggie Jackson. Fourth quarter, we see Rajon Rondo, probably the closest thing we saw to saw to a good job. The one thing I'll say, Kawhi and Paul George figured things out on help side against Luca in a way that they had it in the first two games, and that does yes. make them more useful there. I don't think you need both of them there. There's there's a reason you have two of the world's best defenders on the same team playing at the same time. Uh, one of those guys needs to be on Luka if, if the Clippers want to win this series. And I think it does make a difference. It's going to be marginal, but ultimately, at the end of the day, all this stuff is marginal. I think... Kawhi should probably be the guy. I don't think Paul can do it. I think if anybody can do it, it's going to be Kawhi Leonard, fully load managed and ready to go after, you know, after a pretty, a pretty, uh, a pretty reasonable load this season. Uh, that's that to me is their path to victory. I think Kawhi and Paul have to continue to do what they did tonight. I think they actually might be able to. That's one. That's one thing that I can take away from this game for the Clippers. Once Kawhi and and. Paul George decide that they want to get to the rim, especially okay. when they take yes. Ibaka out of the out of the game. Dallas doesn't really have an answer for that. Like KP can't really switch on to Kawhi. He picks up too many fouls. Like DFS isn't doing it. He's too small. I think honestly, like if it's really like if if you look at it frame by frame, Luca's probably the guy. Uh, but you know, for obvious reasons, he's not going to be the one to do it either. So I see a path towards it. But a lot went right, and the important adjustments that I think needed to be made weren't. But I think this is going to be a real series, which is great because these guys hate each other. Oh, <laughs> my God. They hate each yeah, other. Yeah, uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, um, my kind of playoff guy. Uh, first of all, the flagrant that they called on him for Terrence Mann, that's to me, that's just a Tuesday. That's Tuesday to me. That's just a Tuesday foul. Like, I, what, what are we getting up in arms for? Like, the guy went for the balls. You know, his elbow happened to hit the dude in the chin, and it happens. This is the playoffs. You go to the rack, you better expect to get some type of contact, man. This is the fucking the freaking postseason, you know. Uh, but, no, to, to back to your point about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I think what often happens, because both of them are so excellent in the mid-range, I don't want to say they're settling, but they're looking for it. Because it's a shot that they're really good at making. But I do think when they're attacking the paint, it opens up the mid-range more, right? Like when the defender thinks that you're going all the way to the cup, 
They're playing you different and your mid-range is open. It's like, it's sort of, <laughs> it's sort of like another game that I watched, uh, the Heat versus the Bucks, where the Bucks were just conceding all mid-range to the Heat, but they can't make them, right? Because they know the Heat want to get to the basket. They know Bam and Jimmy want to get to the basket. It's the same thing for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Like, when the defense knows that you want to get all the way to the basket, they play you for the mid-range. And you guys are two of the best mid-range shooters at your position that we have in the game. So it was very heartening to see Paul George actually finishing with a, a possession with a layup, right? Like, going all the way down. Like, Paul George, there's no reason he shouldn't be getting to the free throw line seven, eight times a game. You know, he doesn't have a matchup where he, people should be stopping him from getting into the lane. Uh, so it was good that they finally did that. And again, they did play marginally better defense, but it was <laughs> it was in the non-Luka minutes. And what their problem has been the entire series has been that defense. They've scored reasonably well. They scored enough to win. They just have defended at putrid levels. And tonight, they were better than that. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> they were a little bit better than putrid. <laughs> no, you know, honestly, like, all, credit to the Clippers. It did change some things. I think, I think they can make this an interesting series. But at the same time, the reason I have doubts is also because of some of the bigger stuff that floats around them that just suggests that at some point push is going to come to shove and they're not going to do what they need to do. Uh, and to me, that starts that starts with playmaking. And yep. to me, that's another place where I think Kawhi Leonard just needs to be more. He's capable of it. You know, I think just seeing him do it in Toronto, seeing him do it early on when he first got to L.A. and he was, yep. you know, really trying to be more of a ball handler for them. He's just not really doing that anymore. But when he does, he can make really solid plays. Um, and if not, you know, this is just my opinion. You can let me know what you think, but... Kawhi playmaking to the extent that he's been doing for probably the second half of the season, it just makes him obsolete as a superstar. Like, he just kind of needs to step it up and do superstar things at this point. Well, I'm happy you said that because, you know, there's a lot of Boston cats in my mention tonight, in my mentions tonight, because Jason Tatum dropped 50, and the other day I said he's not the offensive hub of effective playoff offense. Yeah, they got to win. We get it. But what makes you elite as the fulcrum of a postseason offense that generates quality look after quality look, is that you also play make. Not just that you're a threat to score every time they single cover you. It's that when they try to send two your way, you're picking the defense apart. That's what sets every superstar apart from the next. Like, no, Steph Curry is not John Stockton, but Steph Curry gets the ball out quick when he recognizes the defense is playing them a certain way and, and therefore there are creases and he can put his team into advantageous situations, i.e. the famous Draymond four-on-threes, right? He gets the ball at the top of the key because they sent two, two to Steph. Draymond is going downhill. He has his pick. Um, if your superstar is not somebody who can find other people, make the guys around him better, you, we always hear that, but what does that mean? Get you open looks. Get you easy looks. That's what makes players better when their jobs are easier, right? If your superstar is not doing that, then like you just said, Siri, you're not really a superstar. Like, yeah, you can get a bucket, but there's ways for teams to load up on you and make getting buckets harder for you and switching up the looks, et cetera, et cetera. And your offense could get bogged down in that. If you're not, if you're not at the point of attack 
a threat to find open guys as a high usage person, it's hard to really call yourself a superstar. It's the best at the, the best in the world at it. LeBron, Jokic, Harden, even KD to an extent. Um, they're able to get the ball out quickly and set people up. Yes, Kawhi needs to do that. I, and you're right. I remember the first few games of last season where I was just like, man, uh, Kawhi didn't ha- always have this playmaking stuff that he's doing, coming off the pick and roll, finding guys on the weak side, like sending skip passes one-handed off a pick and roll. Like that's not something he was doing. That's Harden, LeBron, Luka stuff that he was doing at times last year. And yeah, I think you're right. He does have to assume that role because who's who else is going to do it on this team? Reggie Jackson, again, I, I, I can't stress this enough to people. Reggie Jackson didn't want to pass the ball to Westbrook and KD. That's how much of a ball hog this cat is, right? Luke Kennard, he's getting 70 mil to not play. He's a towel boy now. Um, so who's who's supposed to be doing it aside from Rondo? And I don't know if Rondo's the heavy minute guy that you want to put out there. I'm glad you brought up Kennard and, and Reggie Jackson in general because I'd be curious to hear what you think of lose rotations during this series. The Reggie Jackson thing, I just don't get. I don't, if I'm playing Patrick Beverly and I'm playing Rondo, what do I need Reggie Jackson for? Why do I need the third guy, the third point guard minutes, where you're supposed to be this team with elite wing depth? Why is Reggie Jackson? I, I, I don't understand what he's bringing to the table. This is a team that's not lacking for offensive power. It's not like he's going to go out and, you know, get the floor burns from how much he's hustling on defense. Not Look, he came in with a bad rap defensively. He's play, He's been competent defensively, but it's not like he's not out there because he's so excellent at that. So he's not there for the scoring. He's not there for the, um, the, the defense. It's not like he's some lights-out shooter. What, what are we doing with this guy? Yeah, especially when you do have Kennard on the bench. Uh, it's kind of one of the more strange <laughs> scenarios in the NBA where <laughs> you have... You have a player who really demonstrates an organization's uh, missteps both on the front office and the coaching staff because Luke Kennard got overpaid earlier this season to come and and be the playmaking hole that that the Clippers needed. And now when the Clippers be getting paid for a series, that's what they thought. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I don't I don't think that's even that's that's not ba- bad personnel scouting. That's what Luke Kennard does. I don't think you need to pay him specifically that much <laughs> amount of money to do it. But that is, I understood why they did it, and they sure. were. I, I imagine they were probably in a pickle as well. Like they probably didn't have a lot of leverage in that situation. And if you want to win a championship and and you don't mind getting hard capped, honestly, all power to you. Why is he not playing <laughs> at all? Um. And why are we not talking about this every day? <laughs> I think Luke Kennard's defense, though. Um, As opposed to what they were putting on the I table. Know, I think, But it's like you got Carlisle and Luca on the other side as the people you're, you're scheming against defensively. This is the highest level of the form, right? Yeah, NBA that's, that's offense, why you had... Yeah, that's why you had at the start of this game <laughs> switching on to Luca for the third game in a row. You know, it, it's look, look, 
look, these guys are at the highest level of the form. When it comes to NBA offense, like mm. Rick Carlisle, nobody, everybody knows. When it comes to NBA offense, this guy, he spits out competence like nobody else. And then you you have Luka Doncic and it's just like, but Luke, but but my thing is like Luke Kennard is like, he's extremely bad. Like he's extremely slow-footed on defense. And I get it. I don't not to not to say that they shouldn't try. You know, sometimes it's kind of like put him out there and like, let me just see him completely fuck this up. <laughs> I mean, right? like, even the way we're talking about this, like, we're talking about it, like, we're going to try the third string guy just to see what he can do. Like, we're going to try to put David Lee into the finals just to see if he can muck things up and create 12 <laughs> points. Like, this isn't that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you just signed this guy. Yeah, yeah. Six, 64 mil. That's tough. Yeah, it's tough. It, that, and, you know, it's so funny. It would be... You know, it would be as if if the Lakers were straight up because you know Montrez was signed on a mid level, right? So it's like, all right, you can kind of understand that. But the the amount of stuff that they gave away to get Dennis Schroeder, if he didn't play a lick in the three games against Phoenix, we'd be like, huh? We would be very we would be very confused by that. There would be questions. <laughs> There'd be questions. Denver, Denver just picked up Austin Rivers off the off the waiver wire, and he won and them getting... a critical playoff game. <laughs> like, like you can you can throw Luke Kennard out there, man. I promise you, it's not going to be that bad. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and you know, and again, again, especially specifically when, and I know people are going to say we're belaboring this point, but like specifically when your two best guys are Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, what is the point of these guys if I can't play Luke Kennard near them? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. if they're the elite wing defenders that everybody told me they were in the summer of 2019 when the entire freaking media proclaimed the Clippers to be absolute dominant world beaters, nobody's going to be able to touch them because of how excellent these cats are at defense, then shit, man, I, I ought to be able to play Luke Kennard next to them. It's it's strange, but at the same time, like, like Luke Kennard has his defensive highlights or lowlights, his, like, shacked in a fool defensive moments are so bad, though. And I think that's what Ty Lue is carrying with him. It's like, his bad is horrible on that end. <sighs> it, it's... What, but but Sarah, what do you what do you what do you think he would be specifically helping them with? I mean, I think. All right, let me get on my rapper soapbox here for a minute. Okay. <laughs> yes. Because I think what's happening in this series is a little bit informative of what happened in 2019 and why it is that Kawhi looked so dominant. Not that he wasn't. I think Kawhi was clearly a healthier player back then. I don't really mm. think at this point there's any denying that. Really? Um, you think so? Yeah. I the I second half stretch of the playoffs, like game five bucks on or game four bucks on, he didn't look the same to yeah, me. Yeah, so that's what had happened, right? So they, he, got, he got hurt at some point in that series. He carried it over with him to the finals. But up until that point, he had been kind of like just getting better with every game and yeah, like getting facts. into his final form. Um, as, as, you know, series will do to players, right? You just get right. more and more challenges as you go on. 
And like, that's not happening here. Like this was kind of the first sort of sign that I saw of that happening. He's not really stepping up and taking those matchups. Like I know we're belaboring the Luca point, but look, guy, like the guy shut down Giannis, man. Like right. he can, he he didn't shut him down, but like you know, he can take the number one matchup and do some things with him that nobody else in the world can, or he should be able to. And after seeing how well he did that before and how well he's doing it right now, may either he is not at that health or he is not being pushed to be all that he can be for this team. It's one of those two things, right? So when he was with the Raptors, he was kind of in this ideal situation from an on-court and off-court perspective where you had a lot of guys who can make plays on that team, like Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, you can play them together, eventually trade for Marcus Soule, which really is what put that whole team together. Like that, that trade was, was everything for them. And you also had those guys being really vocal off the court. So Kawhi didn't have to go out and stretch himself and and be honest. Oh, he didn't have to do the, the work of being the highest paid, most important person on the team. Look, I think I think it's okay to not I think everybody on a championship team <laughs> has to find a way to mitigate their biggest weaknesses. Sure. But at the same time, I don't think it would be natural to ask Kawhi to be like the vocal spiritual leader of this team. I just think that's a, a way too big of an ask. I think the Clippers probably didn't pay enough attention to that side of things uh, because you've got a lot of guys on this team that are very temperamental alongside, you know, two superstars that are pretty quiet. And that strikes me as one of their issues, like pretty much for the last two, two years. Yeah. <sighs> It's 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 interesting. Uh, I always go back to the Doc and LeBron little tiff, right? Where Doc, well, LeBron went out of his way <laughs> to talk about he didn't believe in load management, right? Which this is the guy. I remember this in the 2014-15 season. He went to Miami for three weeks. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but he like, played for the Cavs. He, he lived he in Cleveland. To, he, 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 went he went to Miami for three weeks in the middle of the season. So I'm like, oh, LeBron is trolling these cats. Okay. Then I heard, and Doc Snipe, because Doc, see, he knew what it was. She's like, all right, he wants to talk slick. We'll talk slick. He's like, we have a plan. We believe in it. Um, the Lakers, I don't know if they have a plan. Their plan is probably whatever LeBron tells him it is. But... We'll see who's right at the end of the season. You know, in hindsight, that's kind of like Doc was just projecting and didn't he, didn't he didn't know it himself. Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly what I was about to say. The plan is get let Kawhi do whatever the fuck he wants to do. And if you're the Clippers, I understand the impulse to do that. Like I'm the Clippers. I've never landed somebody like this who chose me. And said, I'm coming here, planting the roots here. I want to do it here with you guys. And I specifically spurned the Lakers who had the ability to acquire me for you guys, right? Like, that's a big deal. So somebody of Kawhi's caliber coming off a finals season and a finals MVP, I understand you wanting to move mountains and all of that. But that shit comes at a cost, right? Like, when your superstar player doesn't talk to people and he trains on his own and he... Everybody else is doing practice stuff and you guys allegedly building towards a championship. And he's like, I like, it'll be like five minutes before whatever it is. 
five minutes might be an exaggeration, but it'd be right before. And he's like, I'm not practicing today. I'm not playing today. And you got a bunch of guys who are invested on the team. Yeah, you damn right, Siri. You're going to need some Kyle Lowry's, some um, Sergi Baca, some Marcus Hall's in there that are going to be able to pick up that leadership slack, if you will. And he did have that in Toronto. And Paul George is nobody's leader. Pat Bev kind of gets thrust into the position, but he's the sixth best player on the team. I think it's okay to be the sixth best pl player on the team. Yeah, I think is like it? a guy like, yeah, yeah, it's happened before. Like, to be the guy who's barking orders? Depends who it is. And it's not necessarily about barking orders. Like being a team leader is, is bigger than that. I think it's just, I think you need a connector. I think you need somebody that can understand mm. everybody on the team. Gotcha. Like Iguodala. You know, I want Iguodala. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> hey, Isaiah, clip um, that, please. <laughs> it didn't, I didn't pull it off that well. But okay, anyway. Um, yeah, but it, you know what? It's too bad because the Clippers are hard capped, so they're not really going to be able to get anybody. unless. But look, you know. people are going to be like, you guys are crazy. They, um, this is a series now. It's 2-1, et cetera, et cetera. Why are you projecting the doom? Um, because this is the NBA and that's what we do. Mm -hmm. Uh what could they really do if this thing goes up in flames? It's trade Paul George. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, it. I don't I don't think we should like I think that might be with them being two one, I think that might be a bridge too far right now. Cause I just <laughs> when you see what well, when you see what you see from the Clippers, I don't think that those two together are necessarily an issue if you can bring in somebody yeah, but Paul that can George is the only thing that together. brings in something. Yeah, I was looking over their assets yesterday. <laughs> Luke Kennard's not an asset? You telling me? <laughs> you saying just, just a couple, you know, too many years on his deal. Like, I don't know. Zubac is actually Marcus on a pretty, on, pretty team Marcus friendly Morris deal. Marcus Morris on his insane deal is not an asset? <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody wants him for that long. Oh, okay. Ron, yeah, Rondo's got two years on his deal. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not necessarily looking too great when it comes to projecting By the way, the can, we, can we address something I don't, right now? I, what? Um, I'm seeing this Kawhi Leonard Miami stuff. Get it out of here. Are you out of your minds? I like... For people to understand the level of kowtowing that goes on for Kawhi within the Clippers, like, they accommodate this dude individually in a very specific and specialized way. That's not the program in Miami. They wouldn't do that shit for LeBron James. That's not happening. All of the preferential treatment, you get to live in San Diego? When your job is in Los Angeles? Do you imagine Kawhi going to Pat Riley? I mean, like, yeah, I'm just going to be coming in from the Keys for the most yeah. part. So. Yeah, no. 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 Your load management thing. No. No. It, Miami is anti all of the things that the Clippers do for this dude. And he moved heaven and earth to get to L.A. That blowing up everything in San Antonio, like the hit he took and the way he went about making that happen... He moved heaven and earth to get to where he wanted to be. So this idea that he's going to go to Miami and start taking orders from 
the Miami Mafia, the Heat culture, people are insane. Like, that's not how life goes. It's like, sort of like in the corporate world, Siri. Like, you don't go from, you know, SVP to VP, EVP. You don't climb the freaking corporate ladder to president. And then one day be like, I want to be a director again. No, it doesn't work like that. Kawhi Leonard is not going to Miami to have orders to be taking orders from those people. It's not going to happen. Anyway, that was my rant on a heat rumor. Pretty commanding stuff. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think we're gonna see Kawhi go anywhere. Was do you think the Clippers have a shot? You always have a shot in the sense that we see Lucas, he got dinged today. These these series, especially when the teams are this competitive. Um, they swing on the margins, right? And Luca being nicked up and not being able to put his cape on, um, you know, that could have it have an effect. I just don't think they figured anything out today. I just don't. And so Dallas already has two wins. I think Dallas is going to pull this out. I don't, I don't, I mean. Make it a series means take it to six. I could see it going to six. Sure. Don't make it a series. I could see it going to six. All right. Well, I think that's a show. How do we do? Um, I don't know. I'm a, <laughs> we're going to have to send a note to Chris Ryan and, and the bosses up there. Uh, hopefully Simmons don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the answer, everybody. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. You can check out Real Ones on Monday. Make sure you check out Mismatch on Tuesday. Check out all of our stuff at TheRinger.com. Also, shout out Logan. Shout out Logan's uh, Logan's Trey piece. Trey Young. Villains are back. Check that out. Have a good night, guys. Peace.